Hi, my name is Sydney, and I'm super, super, super excited to be talking to the author of a fan fiction that I will be talking about for probably several years to come, if I'm going to be honest. Hi, my name is Maya. I can tell Sydney is very, very excited about this <laughs> interview today. Maybe just a little bit. Hi, my <laughs> name is Joe, uh, a.k.a. A Thing of Vikings, a.k.a. Atov, a.k.a. The Evil Author Lord, as my <laughs> people on my Discord server like to call me. And I am the author of A Thing of Vikings. I gave myself the username of A Thing of Vikings so I wasn't feeling tremendously creative at the time. And uh, here I am getting interviewed. This is going to be interesting. Yay! So, yes, I, like I said, you have heard the first part of my soon-to-be um, bajillion part series of his work featuring Vikings and dragons and war and truly more storytelling than even Game of Thrones. He is a dedicated fanfiction author, writing fics from Spider-Man to the Dragon Prince, but we are here to talk about the fic that has gained its own notoriety and fan base, A Thing of Vikings. So, thank you for being here! Yay. I just want to first say that I found your fic because it's like one of the top ten highest amount of word count on AO3 and like <laughs> it's crazy I want to talk about like a little bit like your work a thing of Vikings you have it sitting at like 1.4 million words or something like that currently with... 1,421,132 yeah like... and it's it's not even done yet it has 131 chapters and it's not even done yet just like how do you do it like how are you still writing even past like the million word mark when there are so many people like us Maya and I included um who struggle to get like 10,000 words out oh boy uh <laughs> that's a hell of a question all right so first off I have the story to tell it is in my mm -hmm. head I I feel like I am emptying a lake with a thimble you know that sort of thing I have mm -hmm. I have sequences coming up that I am preparing to publish this year that I planned back in 2017 when I first visualized the book. They are drafted. They are in final polishing stages. They have already uh, claimed the hearts and heartstrings of my beta team. Uh, yeah. I, I got some screaming and crying and weeping uh, from them. It was quite delicious. Um, but yeah, it's, it is this feeling like I have been almost infected by this mm -hmm. and I need to tell the story. I, I, I want to, to get it all going through and have it live and impact. And it's sort of taken on a life of its own. Mm -hmm. um, on top of that, how I get this together, it's, uh, I, a, I kind of made a commitment, like I wanted to do this. Sure. There's also a little bit of uh, one-upsmanship in there. I'm not going to deny that. I mm -hmm. like, um, how do I put this? I found fandom properly back when the sixth Harry Potter book came out. Okay. And then I got drawn into fandom, which was on LiveJournal at the time. And then there mm -hmm. was a rec, a rec list of fix including one called Harry Potter and the Nightmares of Futures Past, which you may have heard of. It's very well known. Okay. And I got drawn into that author fandom, and he had a Naruto fanfic that I started reading. That was basically like, oh, I want to read this other guy's stuff. I don't know Naruto at all, but I'm going to read mm -hmm. his stuff. Uh, and I guessed what the point of divergence was faster than anyone else had. And he brought me on as his protege you know i was his beta reader i was you know he was giving me the ropes and stuff like that and they called him the evil author lord and i have now <laughs> usurped his title and part of it is 
I wanted to show that I could do more than he did and faster. Mm -hmm. uh, and I have done that. Uh, I have written more than he has almost by a factor of two in less time. And yeah, maybe that's prideful or something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, here I am. Right, you know. right. You're just running on like spite and uh, don't like, even sort call of... it spite. Like, <laughs> like the guy, like I, I had my issues with him, but he mm -hmm. did give me a lot of valuable stuff. He brought me into fandom. He taught me how to write. He gave me one of my biggest hobbies, which is RPGs. Mm -hmm. I owe the guy a lot. I'm not denying that. Um, yeah, you know, and I, I, I don't even know if I would call us still friends, but we're definitely still acquaintances. Mm -hmm. But you know, let's see. I am. I am now the evil author lord. Save stuff. <laughs> you know, say that in your best Darth Vader impression. Has there ever been a time where you wanted to give up though? Because like I, you've been writing for a couple of years now, and you know, one point four million words doesn't come without challenges. So has no. there ever been a point where you just wanted to like give up? Yes, there was a period where I ha I ran I bounced off the burn off wall mm -hmm. uh, at chapter eighty five. Uh, I got a lot of very supportive comments. I got some very nasty comments um, from the readership, but I took an 11th month off break. Mm -hmm. And when I came back, well done, no, actually. During that 11 months, some of those nasty comments were from full-fledged Nazis. And I'm <laughs> Jewish. And they... It was not good, um, mm -hmm. and it was a point where right after I came back and I was getting more fascist harassment for right. existing, that I just, I, there was a moment where I'm like, I had the page thing open for delete work more than once, mm -hmm. and I managed to resist and walk away. Sure. Um, there was also another point where I, I wouldn't say I um, I was tempted to stop, but I took a break for a little bit. Um, this would have been with a bad beta reader I had uh, back in 2017. This is one of those things like I almost felt a feeling of relief when I found out, oh, this is a common problem. It's not just me sure. uh, that has this, um, where you write something and you bring someone else in and they try and get you to write it how they think it would be best. Mm -hmm. And he was trying to get me to write it how he thought I should do it. Mm -hmm. And it was just so like, it, he ended up damaging my story because I did kind of give in to him at one point and I, sure. that's a whole, whole thing. But, uh, uh, you know, after two months of having him on board, I, I booted him. I, I, after he went on one of his little tirades of, you know, you should write it like this. I literally screamed at the screen, then you effing write it. I uh, <laughs> booted him from the team the next day and worked on a different project for two months. Sure, um, sure. And then got back to this after I had kind of exercised some of those demons. But yeah, it, it, it's one of those things like, you know, my advice to other writers is if you are giving your story to someone else to help you, Mm -hmm. Their job is not to say, this is how I would write it. Their job is to go, how do you want this to be its best possible version of itself? And that's one of those things, like a lot of people are like, oh, I'm giving you constructive criticism. 
please right. do air quotes. Uh, and very often that constructive criticism is, but I want you to write it for me. Mm-hmm. No, 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 no. If you want right. it to be constructive, you want the author's vision to be the best vision of itself. Mm-hmm. Not how you want to write it, how they want to write it and be better. Right, and that, right. That I was think a very hard lesson to learn, and I'm glad yeah, I kind I of learned it with fanfic, but, yeah. Well, yeah, because I, a lot of, I feel like a lot of beta readers that we have, like, talked to, and, like, obviously, Maya and I, we are each other's beta readers, but we also know each other in, like, real life. But a lot of people who we have met, like, their beta readers are, like, people who they have met on fandom. They were friends for a while, either online or in real life. And, like, but you, for this project that you have, you have, like, several betas. So what is even that process of, like, do you know them beforehand? Do you just go searching for people who have experienced betaing, who can help you with this? Like, because I... I gotta be honest, it's like new territory. It's I've never we've never really talked to someone who has like multiple betas for like a widespread huge project. It's always just like one person who they've known for a while, either in an online sense or in a real life sense, helping them out. So I ended up recruiting my betas from my readers and people that had good insights. Mm-hmm. Um, this was my mistake with that one person. I thought he had good insights, right, and good criticisms, and I thought he would make things better, and it turns out not. Uh, this is one of those things where hire the critic is be careful. Like, you know, like you want someone that has passion for your vision, not for pointing out the flaws in your mm-hmm. vision. So uh, just briefly describing my process here, I use a program called Scrivener for my writing, uh, which lets you generate up excerpts from your main work very easily. Like you just take mm-hmm. off boxes like this scene and this scene and this scene, and please make a, you know, N number of files, like you can right. do it uh, in Open Office, in Rich Text, in Doc, and HTML, and probably Smoke Signals if I look deep enough in the, the settings. Uh, and then I share that on Google Drive with a this is my first draft, and I will number the drafts. And I will get a first, like, you know, here's, here's this. And that's my first pass stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is first draft, go through. Feed me your responses, what works, what doesn't. We're going to polish it up later. Um, And that's for the alpha readers. And I have just a few of those. Um, Really just two, but, um, you know, it's like, that's how it goes. Then I have the beta reader team, which is four people. So a total of six, if you count the alphas. Mm -hmm. And this is, I have done, written out the entire first draft. I am going back and revising, and now uh, things have been expanded. And now comes the point where we are actively editing and actively adding things in or removing stuff like going like, oh, this doesn't need to be here, or this is duplicated or something like that. Uh, And I will increment the doc versions. So like first draft is 0.x. First first revision pass is 1.0. Second revision pass is... 2.0 and so forth Mm -hmm. and then once the betas are done then it gets handed off to the gammas because the betas know at least some where the story is going the gammas are um if you want to think of it like this way like the advanced screening like what works Mm -hmm. what what doesn't work and this was very valuable to me for the latest stuff because i was so focused on getting the plot going Mm -hmm. that they said 
you're not giving anyone a chance to breathe. It's just this constant okay. feeling of escalation, escalation. You know, like one of the things we really liked about your story was that there was stuff to breathe before. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, you're right. I was so focused on this that it's time I should slow it down. Mm-hmm. add some pacing scenes, add some fleshed out stuff. And I went back and did that before I even started publishing uh, back in, um, book four back in June. And some of those scenes that I have added have been some of the ones that have made people go, yeah, I really loved this scene. And I'm like, well, that was one of the last ones added because of my gamma readers. So, and that, and that is the process there. Once, you know, it, once the edits are done on the Google drive, I just download it. Then I have that draft backed up in case, you know, stuff happens. And mm-hmm. I just copy it over to Scrivener and generate a new copy and have that all ready to go and can copy that over to AO3 and upload. I just like, we've spoken a little bit before since like the project that I'm doing on the podcast is like the probably one of the biggest projects we've done that's going to take like like a very long time to con- like complete just because of the length and size of your fic. But, like, even just, ha- like, talking to you about, like, the process you have of going through it, like, I feel it's, like, so different than just, like, regular people writing fan fiction. Like, at least, you know, I've I've watched even people just, like, Maya write fan fiction, and she just, like, slaps some words on a page, and she's like, please read this. <laughs> it's, like, very chaotic, and it's, like, very, you know, well-written, but still in a way that's not, like, I'm having several people read this before it goes out. That, I mean, mind you, that's where I started. And it's been five years and it's evolved and grown and I have refined my system several times. And there was one stage where I had the Google doc open on one page and the Scrivener doc on the other thing. Mm -hmm. And I would copy it over by hand. And I'm like, why am I doing this? I asked after a while, um, why am I doing working so hard to keep these two things in perfect sync when I can just copy over the whole thing all at once. Mm -hmm. Um, it was just like, you know, but that's what I did for several months. Right. Most of right. the year now that I think about it. Um, but I so feel like it, even still there are fix that we have written and like people we have talked to who have written like 300, 400, 500 word fix, which of course is still nowhere near the size of yours that have like still just done it like on their own. So like, you know, Diz, was it your idea to like have this huge thing come about yes. or was it someone else's idea? Yeah, it was. Yes. Uh, the, I won't deny that I modeled this based on my old mentor who I mentioned mm-hmm. earlier, the guy who wrote um, that like he would draft stuff and have his wife stuff, look it over. And then he would send it to me and I would send it back. And then he, uh, then we would discuss things over and then he'd come up with a final copy and stuff like that. Um, and getting that early feedback uh, is one of those things like, I foreshadow with a vengeance. Like mm-hmm. I, I, which I kind of figured that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You've been just are, reading the first like six chapters. There are stuff from the first 10 chapters that Chekhov's guns have still not fired yet. Yeah. Having, so it's that thing. I want feedback. I want adulation. I mm-hmm. want someone to go. Yeah, this is good. Right. But at the same right. time, you also kind of want to go, no one can see it until it's ready. Right. So having a good team of betas and stuff like that is one of those things where a I can sandboard with them um, mm-hmm. on different things, and I can also uh, get that early adulation hit. Like you know that um, if you're on Tumblr, you've probably seen the uh, the comic of author writing a really evil scene in there 
they're taught they're crying and they're going ha ha mm-hmm. take that efforts <laughs> and it's sort of like that like you right, get that right. little th- those moments there where it's like oh this is going to be good and my beta readers are like i hate you it's going to be delicious <laughs> when they get there we will just right, feast right. on their tears yeah definitely i uh we know my legs for angst so she uh mm-hmm. oh, 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 <laughs> oh, oh maya you will you will have great angst to sup upon here. Um, She's not even be dealing with it. She just has to relay the information to me. I was about to say, I was like, she's not even going to be the one reading it. I'm just going to have to be the one being like, here's the angst. And she gets to sit back and feel the enjoyment of knowing that I had to go through the pain and suffering. Because normally it's not me. Normally I refuse to do that. And Maya comes to me and it's like, here's all the pain and suffering I've been through. Now I'm going to put you through it. <laughs> Ah, I love those sorts of relationships. It's great. Yeah. So, but it's going to be a little bit different with that. So I'll just have to come at her and just try to hopefully word it and like relay it in a way that like still brings as much pain as possible Um, while like cutting it into a podcast length. I'll put it this way. You know how like you'll get like people that review every chapter every so Mm -hmm. often on a long work. So I will share those links with the uh, the Discord server. And there's a couple of specific chapters where people will break out the popcorn gifts <laughs> as someone's getting close because they're like, oh, this will be great. Right, we will right. Get, you know, it's their turn to feast on the tears. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so let's jump back a couple steps. Um, sure, I sure. want to know a little bit about your relationship with fan fiction and how you even started, you know, you kind of said that you started with Harry Potter 6, but like you've been around a while. Did you start with AO3? Was it fanfiction.net? Live journal you had said before, but like, oh my, um, that, and then what started you writing fan fiction? So, uh, <laughs> God, so I am... This might come as a bit of a surprise, but I am a sentimental fluff flub. Okay. <laughs> That's where I started. And like, you know, like, so I, I finished Harry Potter 6 and I'm mm-hmm. like, oh, they broke up. I want something happy. Uh-huh. And I wrote a, like, a little chippy one shot thing and mm-hmm. I looked for a place to post it. And I found this uh, Harry Ginny uh, site. I think it might still be around called S-I-Y-E. Okay. Uh, sink into your eyes it was called uh okay. and i posted it there and then there was other stuff that i was reading i was like this is good and then i um i wrote started writing another story because how can you not at that point mm-hmm. um don't don't ask what this did to my grades um <laughs> uh and mine knows mine knows very yeah. well <laughs> um and then i found my way to live journal and started getting into the community and mm-hmm. you know how it just you get pulled in and i'm oh my god i i was we've been oh five yeah oh five okay. stuff i was 19 um mm-hmm. 19 just turned 20 um yes i just had my 37th birthday okay. uh, <laughs> like two weeks ago two and a half weeks ago um uh so yeah Uh, And that just drew me into that greater fandom um, there. And 
eventually I kind of drifted away a little bit. I ended up with RPGs a little bit more mm -hmm. over the next couple of years. I kind of kept in general contact with fandom stuff, but mm -hmm. I didn't, um, I wasn't actively writing that much fanfic. Like there were a couple of abortive, like, oh, I had an idea and it kind of petered out a little bit. Mm -hmm. I didn't have the vision that really um, uh, sustained itself. Uh, like I had an idea for a Tangled Frozen crossover that kind of died after about 15,000 words of um, I don't have enough world here to, to anchor this to. Right. Um, Do you, I'm sorry to derail this. Were you a part of the Rise of the Brave Tangled Frozen Dragons? Nope. Oh I my god. <laughs> I, I, I arrived as part of the fandom uh, well after that heyday. And, okay. Um, Honestly, and that was, I loved that that part of tumblr for like the longest time sometimes i wish we can go back to that only for the like we had such the joy of like we know these people are nowhere in their movies together but we don't fucking care and like the same thing of people now they ship people who are like they've only had one to interaction and they're like you would have never survived the rise of the brave phrase the rise of the brave tangled frozen dragons because they weren't even in the same franchises together uh just to like push another thing here i have another work that might mm -hmm. interest that's um how to train your dragon and frozen crossover with some tangled yeah. and a few others in there yeah uh it's called the savage seas and nice. this was one of those plot ideas that like you know how we joke like plot bunnies are feral this one mm -hmm. the the damn thing bit me in the shower <laughs> um the basic concept is it is a age of sail low fantasy setting mm -hmm. with um, the, the thought was most of the soulmate AUs I have seen are set in modern day or in mm -hmm. the original stuff. And I'm like, that can get a little boring. And then I'm like, how about you put it on a pirate ship? And then you can have the drama of uh -huh. the soulmates, one being a pirate and the other one being the pirate hunter. <laughs> And I'm like, uh-oh, uh-oh, I feel the plot bunny. And yeah, that's part one of that's written. And I, um, uh, I have part two, like 90% drafted at this mm -hmm. point. It's, it, it's a project, but yeah, I, I start with, um, uh, there is a pirate out there who has never been caught. And so mm -hmm. they send their best pirate hunter, Astrid, after him. And she swings over to duel the pirate captain, and um, he smiles and says, well, I, I, I guess this is our dance, milady, but you may lead. And she just goes, wait, what did you just say? Because mm -hmm. those are the words on her wrist. Right, right. And then she starts swearing at him, and that makes his face go, uh, what did you <laughs> say? And that's chapter one. I have well, fun. Right, um, that... Yeah, I I am a sucker for soulmate AUs, anyways. So, uh, so yeah, so have fun reading that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I have uh, frozen elements in there because mm -hmm. I, I, I wanted more Sami. You know the the okay. uh, the native people of the Scandinavian Peninsula right, right. and 
those are that's like the best source so i kind of absconded with all of the characters mm-hmm. there and shoved them into the setting you know so i have Kristoff and anna and elsa i i did a little bit of a crack pairing there i have elsa mm-hmm. and fish legs oh, like over that, math. yeah that is kind of a crack shit pairing right there and everyone's like it, it's crack shit but i can <laughs> see it because math nerds right right which you know that that's always fun like Mm-hmm. When you get that, it's action, but right. I can see it. I was gonna like I was gonna ask because I thought it was gonna be funny if you had Elsa with Hiccup because for the longest time, like especially in that like Rise of the Brave Tangled Dragons, everyone paired Elsa and Jack Frost together because obviously they were both ice people, and then it was Rapunzel with Hiccup and then Merida. Yeah, I've seen that. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. Um, so. Anyway, getting back to an earlier question on this, because I, you know, meander, and it's also 3.30 in the morning for me. Yes, I did. <laughs> right, <Yeah>. right. <laughs> uh, that was sort of an abortive thing. Like, I have mm-hmm. the notes. Uh, I still have it drafted somewhere in the bowels of my computer, but I didn't write that much fanfic. I read some occasionally. Mm-hmm. And then this would have been 2016. My fiance, who is um, a German national, comes to visit me in the U.S. to meet my parents because, mm-hmm. you know, it's gotten that serious, right? And uh, we are sharing media with each other, and she has this cute, adorable movie to introduce me to. Mm-hmm. How to Train Your Dragon. And I'm like, ooh, okay. <laughs> and I, I sit down and I watch it with her, and it's and my first comment upon finishing it is that was adorable, but not very historically accurate. And that sure. In October of 2016. And then she has to fly back the following week. Um, I'm coming to visit her for New Year's. Mm-hmm. And I'm getting ready for NaNoWriMo 2016. Yep, yep. And then the plot, I'm getting ready to write original fiction. And then the plot bunny bites down five days before NaNoWriMo. But uh-huh. if it was historically <laughs> accurate. And it was like, oh, it, it, it's like, and you could even do a little bit of a pun in the title mm-hmm. with, you know, a thing being both like the general term and a thing being a political uh, group. Mm-hmm. Like, like almost like, yeah, like you have a murder of crows, you have a thing of Vikings. Oh, okay. And then I'm like, oh, oh, okay. All right. <laughs> Fine. I guess we're doing this. And um, started outlining. Like, I just put my, my, my original novel aside, which, mm-hmm. to be honest, looking back on it, I did not have the writing chops at the time sure, to do sure. what I had planned. So it was probably, this was for the best, unquestionably. Mm-hmm. And I wrote 155,000 words of the oh, first wow. draft of ATOV that month. Oh, wow. Did a lot of research, did a lot of planning. That 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 first draft, when I revised it, became what is now chapters 1 to 72. Mm-hmm. And he just kept growing from there. Sure, the story is sure. not done. Uh, and you know, you get drawn into fandom and all of this, and now here yeah. I am, right? Almost six years later, <laughs> um, yeah. and I started publishing it in April of 2017 after you know 
five months of revision and mm -hmm. writing and editing and just there's times I look at this and I'm like, this is, I understand now what the Greeks meant by hubris. Ah, mm -hmm. oh, foolish mortal, you thought you could do this. Yes. So you have kind of mentioned before that you have an incredibly loyal fan base for A Thing of Vikings. Yes. Um, you know, how did that, obviously because you didn't start, you know, with that level of fan base when you were starting publishing it. When did that sort of come about and, you know, the Discord, you all, you have all this stuff. And then, like, how, I guess, like, what is that like? Because I feel like for a lot of fan fiction authors, like, that's the ideal is, like, having it be so beloved that, like, there's almost a fan base around a fan fiction. I actually have now a, men a protege of my own who oh, I have taken under my wing yeah. just as was done for me. <laughs> Um, uh, his name is Mr. Crocodile. He's a Spaniard. Mm -hmm. Um, and he is writing recursive fan fiction based on ATOV. And I am co-authoring stuff with him and it's posted on AO3 mm -hmm. as part of it. And it, you know, he's writing us some side scenes and stuff like that. Uh, and, but yeah, it's just, it just grew. Like mm -hmm. one of the things was, is I updated every Sunday. Oh, like, okay. Yeah. And that would, and just having the regularity, having sure. the schedule. That's one of the other things that drives me. Like I made a commitment. I updated mm -hmm. every Sunday, barring that burnout I mentioned at chapter 85. Mm -hmm. and I take off three months per year to you know, build up uh, stuff and, and do like, I took off March, July, and November. Sure. Um, and just people like Sundays at noon, central European time. So 6 AM, uh, Eastern standard time, there is a new chapter, uh, and just having that you build up a fan base and you build mm -hmm. up readership and, okay. So this is a ADHD bit, but also a bit of a brag. So. Mm -hmm. I have a spreadsheet of my AO3 statistics. Oh, wow. Yeah. Like, yeah, you know, it's just like you've gotten the habit. You know? Sure, yeah. sure. So the first week I published, mm -hmm. that April 2nd, 2017, I got 60 hits on that first chapter. Okay. Chapter one got 60 hits. Okay. Not bad, honestly. Not bad. Yeah. So I have been on hiatus for the last few weeks because it's my birthday and my spouse's birthday for the last mm -hmm. year. This week, okay, last week alone, I got 2,497 hits. Yeah. Chapter 131 got 3,617. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it builds. It builds right. up over time. Um, and this is one of those things where, you know, I have seen so many people publish stuff and go, where's the adulation? Where's my audience? And it's like, they'll come, but you have to mm -hmm. build it. Mm -hmm. Like you know, you're you're not entitled to eyeballs, but when you get when you get known for having a certain amount of quality, they'll come. You mm -hmm. will get you'll get wrecked. You will get people will pass it around by word of mouth, things of that nature. And uh, yeah, it's been it's been a hell of an experience. Yeah, um, and we're a bit far into the recording now. But if you want to, you've kind of explained it as How to Train a Dragon with more realistic history but um if you want to explain a little bit more about a thing of vikings and then why you think 
people grabbed onto it in the way that they did? Like, what do you think or what you have heard about the fic made people like so, so involved and so loyal to this, to, to this journey that you have? Okay, so I have a bunch of different feeders for this. Uh, mm -hmm. So this is properly an alternate history work in that genre. Mm -hmm. Like, like uh, if you're familiar with the genre where you have like, what if, you know, right, right, like like the the the, the Romans had X, right? What if mm -hmm. Napoleon didn't lose? Right, or, right. Like the Tamarine series, you know, what if there were dragons during the Napoleonic Wars, that sort of thing. So there's already um, a fan base and group and people that like and are invested in that stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, and I am doing this very hard on the history. Right. I think by aggregate numbers at either, probably a strong minority of my characters are people who have their own Wikipedia pages for historical Okay. Yeah, admittedly, on some cases, those Wikipedia pages might just be a blur because someone burned the records. Thank mm -hmm. you. But, uh, you know, that sort of thing right there. And so that immediately, I have people that are interested in that. Mm -hmm. And I have battles. I have uh, politics. I have I have social structure stuff going on. Mm -hmm. um, this is a minor spoiler, but I'm not going to, you know, hit you too hard with this. Okay. One of the things that's going on here is I I actually explore what's going on if a Norse tribe suddenly had their own fire breathing air force. Right, and right. The answer is is going to be people are going to attack them. Sure, sure. Or are going to uh, try and suck up to them, or are going to uh, want to trade with them. Uh -huh. and you, in the thing is, is when you attack them you lose because you tend not to be that uh, capable of taking them on head to head. Sure. Um, and then it's like, now what do you do with the, their old territory? Well, I guess we have to run it now. And like, Oh, I, I guess we have a kingdom now. Oops. <laughs> and so one of the things I've been exploring there is the growing pains of making a civilization, suddenly having to handle bureaucracy, sure, suddenly sure. having to handle uh, growing things and that's been people like oh I love these characters and having to deal with this city here yep, that's a yep. real place that watching it change under the influence of dragons um, uh, you know I have people from Ireland who are part of my readership who are going mm -hmm. I live in this city and I love what you're doing to it which let me tell you was really surreal the first time I got sure. that <laughs> um, uh, but it's like I have battles, I have politics, I have intrigue, I have the historical things, I have hiccup being a mad scientist type stuff. So there's something in there for everybody and mm -hmm. that tends to draw people in. Um, like I said, I'm Jewish, so I have a substantial Jewish subplot in there. Um, sure, sure. I, I taught science and uh, one of the things I would do is I would teach about the history of science. So I have scientific developments in here. Uh, one thing that I know a lot of people has enjoyed, I don't know if you've noticed, but at the beginning of every chapter, there's like an excerpt, an epigraph. Yeah, yeah. So I use those as in-universe stuff, and I foreshadow in there, and I give its fan stuff. Oh, okay. 
that's one of the things that really like people like oh it draws them in because they get to read it analytically and oh, i see and that's been another thing like people have gone oh i love your chapter epigraphs i love the sources uh and and one of the things that's been fun is like one thing i've noticed is some of my readers who there's one group of readers who like one particular source that mm-hmm. i'm like I wrote this one specifically as a biased narrator. Right, right. You're completely agreeing with that. I find <laughs> interesting. Uh, the, the particular source is called uh, The Genius Has No Clothes, an alternate okay. innovation. Uh, and it's the idea of like chopping the great man of history idea down to size. And engaging in logical uh fallacies right mm-hmm. like oh hiccups not that special he uh you know he just happened to have a large fortune and, sure, and, sure. and then it's like ah yeah but this other one also had a year 10 years in house arrest where he had nothing but time do you not know and, and like and no one noticed this this uh this this the, the, this contradiction here and it's like no mm-hmm. It's fun. (laughs) I was about to say, I was like, I don't, me personally, I don't really read a lot of things very like analytically. Even when I was in college, it was very difficult for me to watch like short movies that we would have and be like, there's so much undertone. And I would just be like, I don't know, it was fun and the colors were pretty. So (laughs) I definitely understand. And that's fair. I mean, one of the things that I keep saying is, is, Everyone engages in different media at different levels. Mm-hmm. Some people, you know, for some people, the car- a cartoon is, oh, that's a very cute thing. And for other people, it's, this speaks to my soul. Right. And both of these are legit. Mm-hmm. The problem is, is, in my opinion, when you have the people who go, oh, that's so nice and so peaceful, and but you're not allowed to look at it deeper because it ruins my enjoyment. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, I'm... I, this is this is a minor thing, but like um, I had somebody once tell me that pointing out a plot problem in the second Star Wars movie, Empire Strikes Back, ruined mm-hmm. it for him. Oh, and it was very simply um, the way that the Bespin plot line brackets uh-huh. Luke's plot line. Right. In timeline, Luke's training can only take about a month, maybe two mm-hmm. months tops, and. My, but you don't really notice that because of the different pacings and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And you're sort of allowed to draw the conclusion. But I, I pointed this out to one of my friends once and he goes, now I can't look at this anymore without thinking of Luke as some whiny little kid because he got the, the, the Jedi intensive course and he's like, but I'm not growing fast enough. Right. And I'm like, I can kind of understand that. But mm-hmm. like, part of the fun for me and in, uh, in writing and media enjoyment and stuff like that is taking it apart and seeing how right. it works. And that was the thing that really enamored me for the first How to Train Your Dragon movie is just how tightly written it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I know that they can be annoying sometimes. Only I, The only one I really like, while you were speaking, I remembered Maya. <laughs> we, she had put a Tumblr post up about Genshin Impact characters and had canon she had about them. <laughs> Maya, what was it? It was about a horse or something. Yeah, one of the characters is a cavalry captain, so it was just like a stupid headcanon. I was like, oh, like, even though he's the cavalry captain, 
he would get like kicked by his horse and mm-hmm. someone commented on the post this is like the only time i've been on tumblr for years <laughs> i have thousands of followers on tumblr. this is like the only time this has happened and it wasn't even on my own account someone commented and was like um little horse info for you if they <laughs> kicked you you would die and i was like I'm, I feel I'm like aware of that. It depends are so- on also like, but you know, one fun thing there. Do you know what one of the most common injuries for cavalry um people was broken no. feet? Oh. The horse steps on your foot and shatters the long bones between your ankle and your toes. That makes sense. But I was just thinking of just like, yeah, though I have a friend who's like that, who very much looks at media and different things, RPs and stuff, very much how you do, and sometimes. I, I just remember, like, thought of that one instance where it was just like, I like that you look at this way, but, like, sometimes you don't need to, like, I, I understand how, like, these things work, and sometimes I just don't want to look at them because they're fictional characters, and, and <laughs> maybe, maybe to me, <laughs> I don't really care that he, in real life, would die if he got kicked in the chest by a horse. That or be hospitalized for a while, but yeah, you know, <laughs> that's fair. Um, like, yeah, and, and there's also a question of realism versus you know suspension of disbelief mm-hmm. um and stuff like that like again going back to my own story i'm playing with high realism right uh, right in, right uh when someone gets cut they bleed um and it takes a while for them to heal and infection is a possibility mm-hmm. um versus the more almost cartoonish levels of uh violence you have in the the animated series and stuff yeah. like that yeah and, and and it's fine so long as you have that um there is a uh a thing for rpgs like i don't know if mm-hmm. either one of you does rpgs like D and stuff maya plays D. Mm-hmm. okay um there's, there's an um so D has its own assumptions and stuff like that but there's another game uh actually a lot of different games let's say i wanted to say i was going to play with you a cyberpunk game okay now picture cyberpunk cyberpunk are we talking deus ex mm-hmm. or are we talking um uh saints row both of these are arguably cyberpunk mm-hmm. um but one is what we call pink mohawk and the other one is what we call trench coat and there's a mm-hmm. there's a there's a range there and so when you're getting your players together you have to kind of go what is everyone's understanding here so we right, are all on right. the same page because if you have three guys show up and they are ready to play uh, very bitter, grim spies, and you have one guy show up with you know glowing electric hair and a guitar, uh, and is figuring he's going to be able to to you know jump out of a burning airplane with mm-hmm. uh, you know uh, you know with just a blanket and be able to landfall, You're, you you want to be able to discuss that, and that's right. fine. And these are all legitimate ways to play and or enjoy media. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I, I just, I know where my preference is and that's on sure, uh, one end. Sure. And that's well, you've obviously found the fan base who also gets yeah. very much behind that. Yep. And oh my goodness. I, uh, it, it's funny. It's just like, this has been such a thing. Like I have been growing as an author. I have been mm-hmm. building my skills. I have this problem where I would create OCs, and if I wasn't careful, they would be some variation of my own mindset. Ah, uh, okay. Um, like just with a slightly different template at- attached. Right, right. And and getting into the different heads here has been helpful because 
I'm a utilitarian pragmatist um, in that regard. Like I want, I, I'm willing to work with other people. I'm, I want to do what's best for everyone else. And so unless I was very careful, I would tend to make uh, an original character who would go, oh yeah, I'm more than willing to sit down and negotiate out these things. Right, and right. Working through this has been very, very helpful here. Mm-hmm. Um, do you ever work with your betas in that way? I guess because oh, yeah. I, my like Maya and I, we work on our fan fictions together pretty frequently, and I definitely have those instances where like we go back and forth, where she has like a completely different idea of what a character would yep. do mm-hmm. per se. Exactly, that's one of the things I do as well. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, um, uh, one of my betas I uh, recruited. You know, the picture like, you know, stuffing a bag over his head and shoving it in the back <laughs> of the car. Um, he is a guy from uh, northern France, uh, the area of Brittany, um, uh, which is that peninsula that sticks out into the Atlantic. Mm-hmm. And there's a major plot line going on here. And he's like, hey, I'm from this region. And there's this, this, and this. And I'm like, oh. And I ended up kind of pulling him in and using him as a source of information for culture and history they didn't have Mm -hmm. access to and we were discussing like hey what do you think of this idea for this plot line or back and forth and back and forth and we 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 managed to make him even more evil which was a lot more fun (laughs) Uh, um like where we're talking like oh 10 year old um noble heir being a captive of people that are looking at him as a resource to get his title type stuff right right um, so you're like, Harry, you, you want your Game of Thrones stuff. There you go. Um, <laughs> that uh, is, that is how I like, I, and I, I will say I've only read six chapters. I'm not trying to spoil like myself for a ton of it. So I want to be reading it as like Maya and everyone else is reading it. So I haven't read like ahead of it, but yeah, the most I've gotten from it, I'm just like, this is very Games of Throny. I know Maya said that she wanted like a red wedding. She was like, that would have been sick <laughs> if we could get something like uh, the bloodiest mm-hmm gory as shit and um, um i was so, like i'd love to have someone like lose their fucking mind like hiccup i was just like but talking to you it feels like we are going to get those things oh yes uh, in fact there's already been some pieces published uh that mm-hmm. i wouldn't call full-on red wedding type stuff but there's definitely betrayals and right. backstabbing and i have one scene where it that has already been published um okay where um, I will put it this way. Hiccup runs screaming into a burning building, ready to kill somebody. Oh. How's that? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it sounds like there's a lot on the horizon, which is very exciting. Um, and I have another scene planned that's not yet published. Mm-hmm. That was you know, full on like Hulk smash fury. I have right. a scene um, where it goes the opposite direction of tranquil fury. Mm-hmm. And... Um, uh how i put this uh the plants are going to take a while to grow back there when he's done okay 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 (laughs) very intriguing very intriguing i know i don't know if it's difficult for you to like not spoil but it's just like (laughs) very biting my lips here right um (laughs) god goodness it's just been like one of those things like i i have scenes in mind and it's going to be amazing and making people connect to characters and giving them their ups and their downs. This mm-hmm. is actually one of the things I tried reading Game of Thrones. I actually gave up in the okay. because there was no one left 
to root for. Sure. I, I said the eight deadly words, which is, I don't care what happens to these people. Mm. I don't like Grimdark. I, I, I know, I know, but it's like, it's not my thing. <laughs> Grimdark has its own thing for some people. You, listen, am, talking to me is preaching to the choir. Maya really likes Grimdark. Well, you know, but, uh, you know, for me, it was uh, like, I, I, I actually, I very much, I don't like um, George R. R. Martin's view of the world, which mm-hmm. is like, everyone's out to backstab each other. And this is not just Game of Thrones. This is right. a lot of his writing. Um, there's another book series of his called Tough Voyaging, which was written back when I was a child. Mm-hmm. And it's this viewpoint of they almost call Hobbesian, like you know Thomas Hobbes, the old English philosopher, that uh, unless there is a strong and powerful state, everyone will just turn on each other mm-hmm. and backstab each other constantly. And I'm like, I, I don't believe that. I don't believe that human sure. beings are like. Uh, but yeah, for me, my my thought is 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 the brightest light shines in the deepest darkness, and. Mm-hmm. There are people out there who want to do good and are rewarded for it and not punished. Yeah. Sure, sure. And yeah, but uh, yeah, you, there are there are people out there who do view that world that way, and you have to deal with them. You have to interact with them. And rubbing that in Hiccup's face has been one of the kind of the fun things to do here uh, mm-hmm. in the storyline. Like, you know. Oh, you know, you have this this king that wants to, you know, just abuse and brutalize and manipulate right, people, right. and then he comes up against an honest to goodness hero that wants mm-hmm. to do better, and boy, does it end poorly for him. And, and it's also just let me just say this: it's been so much fun writing a a honest to god you know, like mechanical genius in the medieval mm-hmm. ages. Okay. <laughs> what can I have him do that's sufficiently constructive or destructive? Right, oh, yeah, right, I, right, right. I can have him build bombs <laughs> uh, and um and things of that nature, and just also like just exploring religious tensions and, mm-hmm. and things like that, and uh, exploring like okay, he's still pagan. Uh, how is the Catholic Church going to react to that? Uh, we're fifty years off from the cru- first Crusade. Right, uh, right. You know, and and things there and um also the Pope in the period I picked is one of the most corrupt ones in the entire history of the Catholic Church. Okay. Which when you think about that, that's some stiff competition. Right, right. This period was called the Dark Age because the okay. Catholic Church was under the control of some noble families in Italy. And they use the church to increase their own power and use their power to increase the church's power. Right, and right. Back and, forth, back and forth. But yeah, the guy sold the papacy twice. And from what you told me, there's been some people who weren't very fond that you were yeah. portraying the Catholic church in that way. Yeah. yeah. I yeah. have, okay, so I have LGBT characters in here. Mm-hmm. Just put that there as a baseline. You know how. Uh, homophobes react to just the sniff right, of a right. I have gotten more complaints about Christianity bashing right. than I have about the LGBT characters. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just to kind of put that in there as a baseline. But I'm, like I said, I'm Jewish. And this is not a time period that was very good for my people under the Catholic right. Church. Um, I, I, I will put it this way. Um, there were 
somewhere around 70,000 Jews in this time period sure. in Northern Europe. Mm -hmm. So 1040-ish, about 70,000 of my people there. Now, we've done genetic studies on the Ashkenazi Jews, which are the mm -hmm. Northern European branch, and there is a genetic bottleneck. All of living Ashkenazi Jews are descended from the same small group of people in the 1300s. Mm -hmm. Under 1,000 people. So, what happened to the other 65, 70,000? Hmm. Oh, right. <laughs> the Crusaders. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, all, all of these, I think, like, crazy amount of, like, hate that you've gotten on this fic has just oh, been, God, like, yes. yeah. Now, Italy. <laughs> AO3 is much better about um, this than FFNet was. Uh, yeah. FFNet is, uh, is, is a tire fire that is in the process of dying. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I hate to say it, but good riddance. Um, uh, like, I am seeing indications that the, the site is probably going to go down in the next year or two, just from. Oh, I believe it. Uh, and AO3 has the new blocking thing. Yeah. You know, I just had one of the, one of the people who said, I'm stopping reading because you're Christianity bashing and I don't like the LBGT characters. Mm -hmm. That was back in 2018. And then he comes back a couple months ago going, oh, I'm glad to see you're still writing. And I'm like, go away. <laughs> yeah. I'm blocking you. I just got this. This is a new toy. <laughs> Thank you for reminding me of your existence so I can right, block you. Right, right. Um, but it's like, you know, I had a full-fledged Nazi right. reading through the story. And then I got to the start of the Judaism plot. And it, it, he had a full-fledged meltdown. It's crazy. Uh, like, like he he accused me of being funded by George Soros to write this mm -hmm. to get unquote, get my socialist hooks into niche markets. Yeah, what the I fuck? that's just like it's really crazy because like I feel like anybody who super reads fan fiction or is in fandom spaces like they realize that like fan fandom and fan fiction is like really for community sake. And a lot for like LGBTQ people, um, yep. like minority people, like people who just don't see themselves in stories and feel like they need to write themselves in stories. <laughs> so like, it's really like, I, I feel like we've gotten like, there's been like hate on, on fan fiction, but like not in the sense of like, you added LGBTQ and you're like, babe, you're reading fan fiction. I don't know what to tell you, but it's, it's on the backs of like women <laughs> and gay people. Hey, I'm polyamorous. Um, yeah. Although my my wife and I are in a monogamous relationship. <laughs> we are both poly, and mm -hmm. we like we tell each other about our crushes and stuff like that. Yeah, um, and so but it's that like... that is crazy. But even like I don't know, like I I'd understand the maybe the religious aspects of it because like you know even Ao3 um, people in fandom still have like a race issue, like racism oh, issue yeah. constantly in fandom. Mm -hmm. So that, but yeah, whenever people are just like, God, you're uh, you're adding like three LGBTQ people or something like that, however many you put in, and you're just like, do you realize what you're reading? <laughs> do you know? Do you realize where you are? Like, AO3 has, like, the most amount of, like, MLM fanfiction, like, you can ever find anywhere. I actually have a fun thing on that. I have, I've also gotten um, uh, accusations of bias um, from the other end of the political spectrum oh. for existing as a Jew. Um, <sighs> I, I got another nasty review. Um, uh, basically saying that giving historically verifiable facts on the Jewish diaspora was being me being a, uh, a fascist, genocidal mm. uh, colonizer against the Palestinians. And I'm like, what? Yeah. 
it's it's tiresome uh but at least you have like the the backing and the support because like i feel like it would be really hard to only receive negativity oh no at least you have the community to turn to primarily great great comments and stuff like that it's just like the the negative stuff sticks in your head right right. um uh and i don't like that it sticks there but i like Mm -hmm. yeah i go back and read my nice comments sometimes i go back and read oh i can't wait till this happens and i can't wait this and i'm like oh yes (laughs) right 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 (laughs) um and like you were saying you have people who don't see themselves that much like Mm -hmm. i have written the jewish diaspora to be a core integral part of the plot line Mm -hmm. and it has been so so satisfying yeah i bet i bet um like i have a jewish oc her name is esther Mm -hmm. um and people love her. People are invested in her yeah, character. Yeah. And she's an OC. She yeah. is she's someone I made up who does not exist anywhere else. Uh, and, and I have people who are generally like, she is my sister and I, how dare you do this to her? Uh, <laughs> and I, oh my God, like, a Jewish character whose Jewishness is a core part of her. Mm-hmm. And people have gone, I, I love this character and I want, yeah. I am invested in her plot line. Right. Oh my goodness. But you can just see like, you know, how how important it is to have people that you see and like how attached these people can get just because they see like even a little bit of themselves mm-hmm. or a little bit of their culture in it. Oh, I yeah. her as Arrow Ace and I have gotten compliments from mm-hmm. my like my Arrow Ace readers going, Oh, thank you so much for writing her. Right. I, I love right. her so much. She like you know, I feel seen her I'm like and, they, and she's not like my only token. I have other Arrow Ace characters sure, and sure. Arrow, that's a core part of her character arc. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have Demi characters, I have bi characters, I have sure, yeah. uh, um I, I have a lesbian couple show up at one point uh that um basically go, um so we want kids, uh, mm-hmm. uh which of the male characters do we ask to be the, the sperm donor as it were? Right. Uh, and they gave Stoic right of first refusal, which resulted in him, uh, just as he's taking a drink, of course. So he, like, you know, sprays at his beer and runs for it. Uh, sure. <laughs> not because he is insulted or anything, just mm-hmm. taking it back. Gobber yeah. thinks it's yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Just watching his best friend retreat. Of course, you know, of course. Later. Um, uh, but yeah, and I, there's also another thing here. Um, mm-hmm. building on the backstories of the characters that are here is something that sand oh, sure. gives you to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, how do I put this? There's a phrase in uh, Latin called ex nihilo. It means from nothing. And very often a lot of characters, especially in uh, the, the DreamWorks stuff, come across that way. They mm-hmm. they just they, they just spawn. Like you entered a new zone in your video game and these characters... Oh, sure, and one of the things I've been having fun here is giving them families, giving them backstories, mm-hmm. giving them histories, uh, you know, tying everyone together with family relationships um, uh, and, and things like that. And, uh, you know, and making more people on birth, making like relatives and such. And and by doing that, I, I give, you know, I, I put this I make it such that 
they have a more fleshed out history, a more fleshed out mm-hmm. backstory. And it's so much fun to do that um, and have people get invested in this. It's also been fun, I have to say, making kind of semi-scientific stuff for the dragons. Yeah, yeah, I bet, I bet. Um, this is not a spoiler per se, although it's <laughs> a I have it that the dragons evolved in Australia um, oh. because like you think about it, it's like, where else are fire breathing reptiles yeah. uh, going to, to evolve other than Australia? Yeah. Um, and, and then of course, as soon as they evolve flight, they're going to go, bye. <laughs> um, yeah, no, yeah. And, and so that's in one of the things here is building on the themes that humans and dragons have this long history where they've been killing each other and fighting and mm-hmm. all of it. And then you have a boy and his dragon make friends. Right, and right. Bring everything together. And uh, and playing with that theme has been so much fun. You know, like what you do echoes uh, mm-hmm. and changes, goes through history. But like one of the... One of those one shots that uh, my protege wrote is one of the last living dragons in Europe and what happens to oh, them. Wow. And it's sad. Sure. Yeah, he, he wrote that as a birthday present for me and we've just published mm. a couple weeks ago. And it, it only has a couple hundred hits and yeah. readers are all like, thank you for ripping out my heart. <laughs> but yeah, I, I have plans here. I have such a story I have in mind. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my god. Just the things I have going and like this historical figure and this historical right, figure. Right. And, and um this is not a spoiler because it's in the uh the thing I have Mulan coming in. Okay. Uh, she's in the character list, this is not a spoiler. Uh, like the plot <laughs> reaches China. Uh, and yes, I can legitimately have her be the Mulan from the Disney series because the Disney movie because the ballad of Hua Mulan is from the 600s, and this is 400 mm. years later. So I can have okay. her be named the ballad. <laughs> and uh, I just had characters from Africa come in, uh, and I'm expanding it out and trying to do my best to be even and be fair, and mm-hmm. but also not shy away from how brutal this period of history was. Right, right, right. Um, and also just the practical thing of having dragons would do. Mm-hmm. I have a scene where they rescue people from a shipwreck along the, oh, the coast okay. because they're flying past and they can help yeah. people that would have otherwise died. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a trip down to Africa. It takes about a week when you're flying, yeah. right? And just just working through all of it and having the plots on the plots and right, coming up with right. evil characters and what are they doing <laughs> what are these guys doing and, sure. oh my god ah. uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, there are times when i visualize this and it's like a, a, a big knotted mass of string sure. just picturing it all together like how do i tie in this plot line here oh so much fun and yeah. i'm so looking forward to your reactions in fact there's <laughs> one scene in like book one um, how I do this is I break it up into arcs, even though it's all mm-hmm. one thing. So book one is one through 31 and book two is two through 68 and mm-hmm. three is 69 through 119 and four is 120 through ongoing at the moment. Uh, and 
the like that that's when i hit my like story beats and mm -hmm. uh, when i plan my uh my climaxes and stuff like that and so there's a scene in book one i am so looking forward to your reactions to. okay <laughs> um should, should i tell you which chapter or no no okay lips are sealed so, no, I am yeah. excited. Even just the, we got like a very good reaction, even just from your, your own fan base from it. Like I, we published it on like SoundCloud and somebody commented like the fans of this fic found the episode, <laughs> like I good might, luck I, or something like that. I might have linked it that, that, that when I mentioned like, Hey guys, I got, uh, they're, they're going to be doing this. And it's like link. You must. <laughs> there are 500 people on my server now. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, that's a shared server. Like, mm -hmm. uh, like some other authors came in, like, "Hey, would you like your own channel?" Right. Well, and they, their readers, and at that point, it just became a semi uh, "How to Train Your Dragon" server. But you know, mm -hmm. I got a fair number of people on there. They're there sure. just for me. They're yeah, yeah. Like, oh my goodness! And I, I'm, I'm also working on original stuff, and fingers crossed there, and sure. I'll be able to yeah. publish. Like, I, I've got my own fantasy setting there, which. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm tell you i'm having fun here you know the usual trope where you have one girl and the rest of the team is guys yeah I'm flipping it around nice i have one teenage boy who is a mechanic and like you know engineer type guy i basically think frodo crossed with hiccup is sort of my general feeling there and then the rest of the team is women i've got uh a, um the healer is in her late 40s. I've mm -hmm. got a, a former pirate in her late 30s, uh, an archer, um, and a thief in their 20s, uh, a necromancer in her teens, that mm -hmm. sort of thing. And I am having so much fun writing them. <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, you hope that like all everything that you've learned from even just fan fiction goes oh, into yeah. all of the originals. Oh, yeah. Like, I would not, I, I know I would not have been able to write this original work without my experience from ATOB. Mm -hmm. Like, just in my world building and my character writing and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But, uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's like fingers crossed that, you know, in a year or two, I will be able to, you know, send you guys a copy of my book and go, look, look, it's original. <laughs> I, I I will probably end up doing that. Like, you know, just nice. say, Maya, Sydney, look what I did. Look. <laughs> I, I have my own original stuff. Right, right. <laughs> I just keep growing my, my collection of, of, of books uh, by fan fiction authors <laughs> that were at one point, you know, writing fan fiction and now published their own. Because I've gotten a couple now, but I really want to grow out this library. So that would be very great. Um, the work you go for is perchance to dream, and um, it probably won't end up with that with publication, but right, we'll see right. at, like, fingers crossed. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah. Last words here? Yeah, just, no, go ahead. I wanted to say thank you for giving me the oh, opportunity to ramble oh, for you. an hour and 20 minutes. Yeah, um, <laughs> of course. Uh, and just, oh my goodness, this has been a a privilege to write in its own thing mm -hmm. like having the response i've gone having the the story be told having people learn about real history yeah from them i had sure. people I she didn't tell me oh i was so interested in this i went to wikipedia and i fell down the wikipedia <laughs> rabbit hole 
learning about this. I didn't realize that this guy was that king later mm -hmm. on. Like, oh my goodness. Like, I was a teacher. I Yeah, I didn't teach history. But like having people go, I learned something from right, this. Right, right. It's so, wow. I'm in awe at what I have done and still mm -hmm. have to do. Right. And I look forward to your reactions to it and to the reactions of all of my readers. And that's my final words. And thank you. Well, I am very excited to read the rest of it because you set up a very good story and I can't wait to read the rest of it. But um, yeah, we are we are wrapping it up. So I have two last questions for you. One is what is the best writing advice that you've ever come across that you would like to share with our audience? Oh my goodness. The best writing advice I have ever done, write for you. You okay. are the person that is doing this. Uh, like, as I said earlier, the purpose of other people helping you is to make your vision the better mm -hmm. one, not to write by committee. So when you have a vision for a story, write that story. Maybe you go, oh, that wasn't that good. And I learned something for the next thing. Mm -hmm. But don't go, oh, this person says I should do X. And then suddenly you're writing for them. Mm -hmm. That like, have the story in your head and go mm -hmm. from there. And maybe you go, oh, I don't have the skill to be able to do this. I didn't right. have the skill to write a 1.4 million right. word thing when I started. Right. I don't think I, anyone I, really goes into writing fanfic and being like, I'm going to write a 1.4 million words. I thought I would be able to write this in 100,000 word stops, which mm -hmm. something is one of the, my, my readers keep teasing me on whenever they see that particular author's note. So how many times is this up over now, Joe? And I'm like, damn you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, but yep. that is that is my best advice. There is, yeah, stick to your vision, like polish it, mm -hmm. like try and improve it. Mm -hmm. um, but if you're like, I have this vision for this thing, stick to that. Nice. Have nice. that be what drives you mm -hmm. um, to to tell the story. I, I had this vision of uh, of a scene for ATOV that is going to be published this December. Mm -hmm. And I had that in mm -hmm. February of 2017, and that has been driving yeah. me this whole time. Wow. I, want. I think I think Maya said that one before, where she was just like, I have a scene, I have to get to it first. <laughs> Could you imagine having to wait, like, what, five years? Five years? No. To get to that scene? Oh my god. <laughs> she can barely think about what she's writing next week. Um, I the very last question that we always have is looking for fanfiction recommendations because everyone loves fanfiction recommendations, especially maybe your audience who will be listening to this who really like your work and will maybe, you know, are intrigued to see what you like to read in your spare time. So what are some of your favorite fics or fics that you would like to recommend to us? Oh my. Um so Fics I like to read, um, I, I won't deny there's a lot of E-rated stuff in there. Um, okay. <laughs> uh, but uh, in other things that are that are good for plot and stuff of that, I tend to go uh, and bookmark these things. Um, uh, well, there's my old mentor's work. Um, mm -hmm. So, like, although I'm not going to recommend Harry Potter stuff at this point, but Teammate was very good back in its day. 
There is um, one fic I have to recommend, which is I am a alpha reader on, which is a medieval AU uh, mm -hmm. uh, called For the Love of a Princess. Uh, I am technically listed as a co-author there, but okay. uh, I am... But I am not the author there. I am the alpha reader. So okay, I, okay. I feel that is a legit thing for me to to recommend. There have been a fair number of uh, of Dragon Prince fix that I have been reading. Uh, let me pull mm -hmm. up one of them real. Uh, Downtime and Wartime is uh, one that was very good. Okay. Uh, it is a Dragon Prince one that has quite a fun bit. They expand like some of the downtime things there, and it's part of a uh, of, of a series. Mm -hmm. let's see here and i like a lot of the uh the stormlight archive stuff from brandon mm -hmm. sanderson there's a lot of like little one shots there so i don't okay. know if, like any one specific ones i could recommend but i've been having fun with those but uh and oh yeah there, there's one fun um fun piece it's uh <sighs> this is a, a fun thing there's one author who's a, a, a friend of mine um called Cater Gator, mm -hmm. uh, and she wrote a very, very nice uh, Hickstrid fic called Walls We Build. It's M-rated, but uh, not a terribly explicit, that she came back to it after a couple of years away from it and just managed to revive it this past February. Okay. And that's very well written. I have to recommend nice. that one. That one's very good. Uh, I'm uh, There's another one I would recommend, but A, it's E-rated, and B, I know it's abandoned, because oh, the, yeah. the, the author talked to me about possibly taking it over. Oh, interesting. So I'm just going to name drop it and leave it at that. It's called uh, Families Are Forged, Not Made. Okay. And... Uh, yeah, that one's another How to Train Your Dragon modern AU, uh, nice, high nice. school AU, um, and it's basically uh, um, Astrid is a child of an abused family type Ooh. stuff, uh, okay. and takes refuge with Hiccup. Very good, but I know it's abandoned because sure. the, the the author got chased away by the, from the fandom. Um, oh no! Yeah. Uh, and, and basically, I am on their short list of people to take it over. Very nice. But yeah, that's my main stuff. Any other questions? Very nice. No, per those that was a perfect list. Um, so, yeah, thank you for being here. Thank you for waking up uh, at the crack of fucking dawn to be here. Um, <laughs> and for talking to us and, and letting us, you know, read your fic. It was very nice when, you know, you reached out and you're like, can you can read this, but like, can you just wait <laughs> until I start publishing again? And I was like, absolutely. 100%. I can do whatever. I, now I... And now very comes much... the question: Will you be able yeah. to resist the siren call of one more chapter? Oh my god! <laughs> uh, like I, I don't want to say, uh, but like your oh, the chapters are so long that like at some point you're just like, I because I don't think people truly understand <laughs> in like a way that my and I understand that like reading fan fiction and reading fan fiction and taking notes on it are two completely separate things. I understand. And it's just like. <laughs> like suddenly it's just like it takes me an extra hour per each chapter just for like writing notes down and then editing them down into a podcast like so like when you finish like when when you when I either finish writing a fic for it um or I finish like reading the amount of chapters I'm like oh my god I did it <laughs> I did it I can talk to Maya about it and then like I have to just shut myself down and be like 
taking the break that I need because it's just it's a lot of work putting 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 an episode together. That's fair. I don't uh, like I'm not dismissing that or anything, but like right, there's right. some cliffhangers coming up that I'm, I'm wondering <laughs> like are you going to be able to resist? Well, you know what? No one but me will know that because yeah, <laughs> although you know I I, I, I I might end up getting a poke by a you know like chat message or something like that. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> or not, a we'll Tumblr see. message, nope. but um, I, I will be the only one who knows because everyone else they just think that I'm caught up with them and that's it and that's all that's uh, that it is. That's fair. But yeah, so is there anything that you would like to promote your Discord, your your fan fiction, any yeah, anything, the, any social medias? Uh the Discord and the Tumblr are probably the only okay. two. So like the thing of Vikings Tumblr. Um, and the Discord, I'm pretty sure we have a live link for that on there. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, it's the thing of Vikings Discord server. Um, and it, worst case, someone just sends me an ask, goes, Hey, can you send me an invite to this? Right. You know, like it, it's not exactly a, um, the hardest thing. I don't mm -hmm. bite, I promise. Um, <laughs> I, I am a very kind and gentle soul, except yes. to my characters. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and if you would like to listen to the first part, it's episode 54, A Thing of Vikings, part one. So I've only done part one, so there's not like hours and hours and hours that you have to listen to to catch up. So you can start right now, right this second. Thank you for listening to another episode of Canonically Incorrect. You can follow us on Twitter and TikTok and Instagram and Tumblr. You can send us your fanfiction recommendations, or if you're a fanfiction author that would like to be on our show, email us at canonicallyincorrectpod at gmail.com. If you would like to support us, you can donate a one-time donation at ko-fi.com slash canonicallyincorrect. <laughs> you can subscribe to our Patreon monthly at patreon.com slash canonicallyincorrect. Thank you to our Patreons at Tumnal River and Riley C for your continued support. Donate to AO3! And we'll see you guys next time! Bye! Bye.